Pickles. And I'm Brian Bitts. This is the show where we drive a car across country while just talking about movies and recording it into a microphone and then sending it out to you for some reason. <laughs> Honestly, this whole podcast is just an excuse for us to try all the different podcasts and tricks we know. I don't think anybody knows that about us, is we actually don't have a home. We're nomads who get into the back of a 1978 Dodge Sportsman <laughs> that's dressed up as an ambulance, more right, importantly. of course. Uh, and we just record in various places. Anytime we learn how to do a new thing for a podcast, we're like, well, now we got to do that in the podcast. Right. It's why we have so many regional references. <laughs> Oops. Brian, this week was your pick. It's been less than a month since we did a car movie. What were you thinking? I was thinking I was fully torqued and really wanted to get <laughs> back in the driver's seat. And, and take this thing as far as we can. And how, what's farther than all the way across the country? Cannonball. 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 <laughs> I missed Burt Reynolds. It's been a long time since we talked about Smokey and the Bandit. Same director here. Hal Needham. He's back. He's back. And, you know, another one of the movies he's done, which is not <laughs> <Yep>. a long <laughs> list. <laughs> it's not. But Brian chose 1981's Cannonball Run, directed by the guy we just talked about. Hal Needham. Hal Needham, famous fucking director. Famous fucking stuntman turned director. That's true. And also NASCAR team owner? Yeah, how about that? He does it all, if it involves cars. Yeah, that's that's about it. Stunts, movies, and NASCAR. I think he co-owned that team with Burt Reynolds, too. So, God damn it, that's badass. <laughs> that's the Isn't case. it? Have you ever seen this thing before? Absolutely not, but I just knew, deep in my soul, that this was going to be a fun ride. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you have not because it's not streaming fucking anywhere, Brian. Yeah, that's on me. That I did not check that before I picked it. I just, I had a need. If you're a cop, turn the podcast off for like 30 seconds or something just to, you know, cover me. Guys, Amazon Fire Stick at Cinema APK. You're going to be golden. Nice, easy watch. <laughs> also, YouTube.com. You just do a little Google search for the Cannonball Run full movie. You'll get it. Pops right up, guys. It pops. Uh, cops, you can come back. And that's why you shouldn't do drugs. Yeah. All right, guys. Lay off the hooch. That's, that's what they call that's it. That's booze. That's actually <laughs> legal. You can do that. Oh, my God. Uh, let's get into this thing. I'm so curious to talk about this one because it, <laughs> it jumps all over the place, just like a Hal Needham movie would. Yeah, absolutely. Real good at stunts. Real good at directing. Real good at directing stunts. Real bad at editing and continuity. <laughs> <laughs> that all adds up. <laughs> We're going to start off with our first category. It's a story motivation. As you know, we go through the 10 categories, give it a score. If it's the same as Rotten Tomatoes, we have to drink. You've been here before, hopefully. If not, interesting choice for your first episode. <laughs> Welcome here, old person who's seen Cannonball Run from 1981. <laughs> our first category is story motivation, and we have a script from writer Big Strikely, our AI producer. We got to be careful calling him writer producer because then he just is the showrunner and that means he's taken over fully. I mean, it's kind of heading that direction, isn't it, with the AI? That's fair. I haven't been here for like the last 30 episodes. <laughs> this movie would be really boring if it was all Teslas. Just everybody sitting there, not driving their cars. I don't know. It'd be really exciting, though, when just one of their asses literally lights on fire. We got that anyway in this movie. <laughs> That's a very good point. For this one, I'm going to be portraying Captain USA. <laughs> okay. <laughs> himself, uh, Victor Prinzim, Dom DeLuise. And you'll be doing. How 
dare you? Dumb fucking Deloise, I'm sorry. Jeez. Oh Usually we God. reserve the fuckings for when we're actually in the scene. There's so many people in this movie that are going to get a fucking. That oh, just there's so start many. Start knocking them out now. You know what? Drink every time someone gets a fucking. R.I.P. you. <laughs> we're going to skip entire people who are in this movie who deserve fuckings. <laughs> also fair. You're Captain USA. Got it. Captain USA. And you'll be doing the part of the Soviet interrogator. Soviet. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the best part about that, not a political podcast, is I could just do an American accent and it still checks out. I'll just put on my MAGA hat and they'll be like, yeah, undercover. Less so in 1981. Well, that's only a year after they got their asses handed to them on the ice. That's why they're so bitter and they, they need tips on the cannonball run. In Mother Russia, tip gives you. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. And action. The stage is a dimly lit interrogation room. Captain USA, formerly Victor Prinzim, a.k.a. Captain Chaos, is tied to a chair. The interrogator, a stern Soviet agent tasked with extracting information from Captain USA, enters, a file in hand. It's me flipping through the file. Love that. It's ASMR for you office geeks. You're probably getting <laughs> off on this right now. And I'm not talking about Steve Carell office. I'm talking about office supplies. This is going to be a weird Staples Super Bowl commercial one day. <laughs> Captain USA. Or should I say, Victor Prinzim. I'm fucking Deloise. I got to say there it. it. I gave it you to him because I respect him, Brian. <laughs> you have quite the colorful history. We need your expertise for the Motherland's victory in the next Cannonball Run. Gone cartoon character. <laughs> so good. I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that good. You want to know about the Cannonball? Oh, it's a tale of speed, cunning, and chaos. Dun -da -da! Let's start from the beginning. The race. How did it unfold? <laughs> well, my good comrade, it all began in Connecticut. Teams revving up for glory. My buddy J.J. McClure, Burt fucking Reynolds. That stash. It's gorgeous. That fucking stash. <laughs> oh my god, must fucking stash. Driving Ace and I in our souped-up ambulance were among the madcap racers. I love how they come up with this idea for the ambulance, because they crashed their car after avoiding like a police blockade, don't get arrested? Yeah. The I cops mean, why like, not? stop them. They're like, ha ha, you got hurt. You get to go free. Damn it. <laughs> I think we did that wrong. You said it. Now we have to go. Yeah. Uh, and they get in an ambulance and they ask the ambulance driver, like, hey, how are you going to get there so quickly? Because I don't know how ambulances work, though I'm an adult <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> Can you explain to me how ambulances get to the uh, hospital? Well, you see, I turn on the loud flashlights on the roof and that cars, believe it or not, they move. That's a way better idea than an ice cream truck. So yeah, they just become paramedics for this movie. And it's yeah. wonderful. And we'll get it's to the insanity phenomenal. that ensues because this movie slaps sticks. It, it slaps all of the sticks. I like that Rider Rick Strikely just kind of skipped the entire first third of the movie, which is just a bunch of different little <laughs> vignettes of the racers who will be in the race when we get to it halfway into the movie. None of it matters. None of it. Although there is a pretty cool thing where Burt Reynolds lands a prop plane on a main street for a beer run. And you know they're still talking about that in that town. 
Oh, absolutely. They didn't even try to get rid of the background people. They're just like, yeah, yeah, might as well happen. I'm Hal Needham. I don't give a shit. So honestly, if somebody landed this plane here, all these people would probably gather to watch anyway. So yeah. Break the magic for a hot second, because this looks awesome. It's so cool. And then, of course, they turn around and take off on the same main road. And they're like, we're going to show it all. We're not going to cut back to them in the air with their beer or anything. Damn it, I'm a stunt coordinator. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. It's so good. They're ambulance drivers. Getting those staples yeah, freaks off. Sweet, sweet office ASMR. Just wait until we start talking about like master lock somewhere. And I do like the spinny noise, like oh. that metal on metal in there. You know exactly what I'm talking about, you dirty bitch. I'm excited for you to have to sharpen that pencil. Now, here's the crazy part is I have an electric pencil sharpener here, but I'm not going to use it. No. Want to know why? I'm going to do it by hand. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I want to feel those two tiny little blades get right into that really thin layer of wood. Let me hear that rubber eraser. Have you ever licked a rubber eraser while sharpening a pencil? By hand. Never simultaneously. I feel like that's like an, a weird, again, office supplies version of uh, going ass to mouth. I don't know why. For me, somehow putting the front end of the pencil in the mouth is more like ass to mouth. <laughs> Uh, fair. That's yeah. All right. Just a tip, just for a sec, just to see how it. Oh, <laughs> oh I made a mess. Ambulance. Interesting choice. And the others? There were priests, quote unquote. Jamie Blake, played by Dean Fucking Martin, and Morris Fenderbomb, played by Sammy Fucking Davis Jr. I think they're my favorite of the movie. They're so good because they immediately regret their decision anytime they see any women. They're like, why do we dress up as priests? We could have been Methodists. <laughs> they get so angry that they're priests. <laughs> they gotta play the part. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Blake and Forrest Fenderbaum in a flashy red Ferrari. And then the beauties, Jill Rivers and Marcy Thatcher, Tara Buckman and Adrian Barbeau. I think land- Adrian gets a fucking in this. I think she Adrian gets a fucking, fucking Barbeau? I think so. I think so. I think so. Are these the only two ladies in the race? Uh, They're the only two that are highlighted by the movie. Fair enough. All right. Well, there's also Shaky Finch, but he's not technically a lady. Also true. He's just a a motorcycle guy with a wig on. He sure is, because that helps. (laughs) It's part of their cover, I guess. Jill and Marcy are in a Lamborghini that can make your heart race faster than the car itself. And your strategy... We had the art of deception down pat. Kidnapped a tree hugger, Farrah fucking Fawcett, right from under the nose of this environmentalist safety nut, Arthur J. Foyt. Who? George Firth. (laughs) What a weird running joke in this movie. In a movie with no real running jokes, except for that one. It's just like, everybody forgets his last name. That's what they chose. It's amazing. It's a weird runner. He was a real stickler, that one. And we hired the great Dr. Van Helsing, Jack fucking Elam. Oh, yeah. To really sell our cover. Jack Elam has a real interesting face and a real interesting way of acting. And all of it works. Somehow the most over-the-top person in a movie full of over-the-top people. Somehow. And there's scenes where he plays it borderline straight briefly until, like, he could do it, but it's just in a really... Really, really compressed amount of time. <laughs> it's like, I can only hold this for so long, and then I have to breathe and get weird again. That was a lot of people. Get to the point. The race. 
Well, we bluffed our way through police stops, convinced them we had a senator's wife in dire need. Then we got caught up in a rivalry with the priests. They gave us a flat tire in Ohio, but we got them back in Missouri by telling the local cops they were communists and perverts. I love you have this weird interaction between Burt Reynolds' ambulance and the priests, Dean Martin and company. Not company. It's just Sammy Davis. Oh, and God. Because Dean and Martin God. gets upset that they don't have a third seat for God. There's not a seat for God. <laughs> they have this weird rivalry, this fun back and forth the entire They're the only two who really interact in terms yeah. of groups. But man, like you see this thing, and Dean Martin's known as the King of Cool for a reason. And the first bit of this movie, when you're getting used to the way it's shot and the way it's cut together, which is just throw it on the floor, slap it back together, see what happens. <laughs> Dean Martin's really awkward in the character, in the role. And then as the race is going forward and he settles into just being Dean Martin, my God, that man was cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Also. I had to do this in character. I can't just do a transition on this one. Communism. It's not so bad. Let's see. There was a Japanese team that had a Subaru with gadgets galore, night vision, a rocket booster, the works. That was driven by Jackie fucking Chan, who's not Japanese. Nope. (laughs) Oh, and how could we forget Seymour Goldfarb Jr., played by Sir fucking Roger fucking Moore? What a role. He actually thought he was Roger Moore with all his James Bond car tricks. He goes to his mom's house and is talking to his very Jewish mother. Proper Englishman. The former James Bond. A sir, goddammit. Goddammit. And he's telling his mother. Well, his mother kind of tells him, you're not fucking James Bond. You're not this Roger Moore fellow. Stop this nonsense. You're not Roger Moore. And the best part is he's Roger Moore. It is an incredible character here. It's such a good bit. I love it so much. He's being James Bond the entire movie while talking about him being a man named Seymour playing a Roger Moore. And he's getting all the titles of the movies wrong. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Calls like live and let die, like bug in the sky or something like that. It's something like that. There's no clue what it is. It's so good. Unbelievable. My favorite part of this movie, maybe, probably, maybe. That doesn't surprise me. I love that every time they cut to him during the race, he had a different woman in the passenger seat. He had to tell each one of them not to hit the cigarette lighter. (laughs) Right. Injector button. (laughs) He's driving the the Aston. The Aston Martin DB5. It's amazing. It's the only time he did it. Yeah, it's gonna say that's a Connery car. That's Goldfinger, baby. Yeah, that actually is the Goldfinger car. You're kidding me. Nope, it's the car from Goldfinger. So, you know, I was doing the whole office ASMR earlier and I was trying to get you guys off. <laughs> Oops. Guess what Brian just did to me? Are you fully torqued? I'll come check my dipstick. Oh, <laughs> it's a saucy show now that Roger Moore is here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's more people. The race! How did it end? Well, everyone got grouped back together while waiting for some construction to clear. We attracted the attention of the Hell's Angels, led by Peter fucking Fonda. Yeah, couldn't believe it either. Blew my mind. And that's when things got real interesting. A huge brawl broke out, and it was up to yours truly, <laughs> dun, da, da, Captain Chaos, to save the day. We should talk about Dom DeLuise here because uh he's in this movie first of all he plays pretty much luigi mario 
to Burt Reynolds. Yes. Mario Mario. <laughs> That's the best way you could have put it. <laughs> that movie is forever living in my brain. Monkey! <laughs> One of the all-time great line readings. Dom Louise in this movie. He occasionally turns into a character who has a cape and a cowl, but like a real bad one. That's called Captain Chaos. Just yeah. every now and then it happens. Just every once in a while, he he blips out and comes back as Captain Chaos. And I like the whole movie, how they kind of just hint to him, the other guy on the team. And Burr Reynolds like, I don't like him. No, he doesn't like it. But Farrah Fawcett even talks about, how is it with you and him? And he goes, oh, no, he's not in me. He's out there. He's out there. Doing good. <laughs> the spirit of Captain Chaos just possesses him sometimes. Only Dom DeLuise could play Captain Chaos. That's right. Whenever trouble strikes, chaos emerges. Enough. Tell me how the race ended, or I will be forced to employ other less friendly interrogation techniques. The grand finish was a spectacle. I had my grand finish earlier, remember? <laughs> with the with the DB5. Right. And the the, the... Yeah, it's you actually did. the sound of a rogue ink cartridge there. Something fellas. of an ejector seat. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I'll get them off. Relax. Uh, we're here for you too. <laughs> we're the show that gives. It's not lost on me that you recently sent me a message claiming yourself if this show was lovemaking that you were a generous lover. Yeah. <laughs> it's a direct quote. And stay tuned, folks, because my pick is gonna prove it. I can't wait. The grand finish was a spectacle. All teams neck and neck. A foot race to the punch clock. I, as Captain Chaos, was about to claim victory. But? (sighs) A damsel cried out. Her baby was in peril. Chaos, ever the hero, leapt to the rescue, only to save a dog. And that's how Marcy, one of the Lamborghini ladies, sprinted to triumph. When they started this race, and I like the way they did this. Is they had a punch card. They all couldn't just leave at the same time. They had a punch card. And when you punched it at the other end, depending on your time, they have it. So in theory, hold on Shortest, a second. Yeah, so in theory, hold they on, forgot. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I literally just you, got it. You just found the plot hole. Just right now. <laughs> <laughs> the foot race It's a little embarrassing because it's right there, man, but... Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they punch the card in Connecticut. They drive across the country. One team doesn't even bother punching out. It's the Japanese, not Japanese, Jackie Chan. That's right. He just goes. He's just driving at this point. Watching porn on their in-screen monitor. Behind the Green Door, by the way, is a real movie, and it is a theatrically wide-released pornography film of the 70s, maybe 80s. There you go. The more you know, do, 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 do. And all I'm saying is episode 69 is coming up. Okay. Nice. <laughs> just just throwing that out there as a maybe. So, you lost. Perhaps. But in that moment, I found my true calling. Captain Chaos evolved into Captain USA. He evolves into Captain USA because Burt Reynolds is so fed up with Captain Chaos. He takes the <laughs> cowl off and crumbles it up, throws it away. And then once the camera cuts back to Tom DeLuise, he's just in a death, another cape and cowl. Call himself Captain USA. It's blue. Yeah, that's the only difference. 
and everyone hugs and everyone laughs for uh, reasons now because it's blue and that makes him happy. I guess it's a less aggressive color. To Everybody the bull loves that is Burt Reynolds, Captain USA. Apparently, they don't even care. They all lost the race, even though they technically could still win if they just punched in because some of them definitely left after the Lamborghini, like long after. Because there's after. A, a ten minute long. It's not a montage at all. No of people leaving. It just is. It just is what's happening in the movie. It takes forever. <laughs> Hal Needham would have to know what a montage was in order to create one. A montage? That sounds like it'd be real quick. I need to make this thing last at least 90 minutes. <laughs> Your tale is as absurd as it is entertaining. But we need winners, not jesters. My friend, sometimes the jesters are the true masters of the game. Just wait until the next cannonball run. I don't want to. No, thank you. <laughs> the interrogator shakes his head, baffled by the enigma that is Captain USA and exits. Captain USA chuckles to himself, the spirit of the cannonball run alive within him. Lovely. Uh, starting motivation for this thing. That plot hole is enormous. It's so big. It's huge. I am, it, again, embarrassed that I hurts. didn't see that until actually talking it through here. No, oh, as they were all running, I was like, okay, like Tal- Talladega Nights, except it doesn't matter because the punch cards. I assumed that even after Captain Chaos saved the puppy, that they would still punch the card, and they would have somehow won. Never happened. Instead, no, you just that, get that Burt Reynolds happened. drinking champagne and then spitting champagne? He just kept multiple times, it out, Pouring it over Captain Chaos, Captain USA, sorry, and spitting it out. Just kept spitting it out. Maybe he thought that Hal Needham knew what continuity was. Again, he was being the professional he is and doing the same thing because he's like, this is a real interesting thing that I think my character would do. I'm going to keep doing this in each take that we're going to do. And then as the camera's pulling out, he doesn't realize, like, I'm Hal Needham. I don't give a fuck. The cars look yeah. cool as shit, man. <laughs> Use all the spitting takes. <laughs> Make Burt Reynolds look like a champagne fountain. Story motivation, five. It's a yeah. race that isn't, might even be a four. I was really, really enjoying it right up until the end there where the giant plot hole. But this is a big butt here. I love the way that Burt Reynolds describes the cannonball run. Because Farrah Foss even asks, like, why are you doing it? He just goes, for the hell of it. Haven't you ever done anything just for the hell of it? Like, there's no reward at the end of this thing. Phenomenal motivation. All these guys are just having, like, the time of their life driving across country. Yeah. Real, real fast. Everybody just wants to do the thing to do the things to say they did the thing. All right, five. I'll go down the middle. That made me feel better. Okay, cool. Five. This is based on a real race. It sure is. And we'll get there in a couple categories. But right now yeah. we're on casting. Impact on the industry of car racing across the United States? No, I think we're going to get it in story writing or screenplay. So that's what they call that story writing. Story writing, you know, the classic category that we've always had on this show. <laughs> uh, what was next? Casting is up next. <laughs> uh, Ted, easily? Ted. This Maybe cast higher? Absolutely insane. Uh, you know, I... Uh, I want to go to an 11. I don't think I enjoyed the movie enough to go to an 11. We didn't even mention Terry Bradshaw. No, Terry Bradshaw's in this movie. And they put him in the perfect amount, which was <laughs> very little. A Bradshaw amount. Mel Tillis and Terry Bradshaw were driving a Chevelle that was painted up like a NASCAR. And they almost got a spinoff on ABC from this movie. But the executive that greenlit it got canned before it went into production. That's a good job for canning that executive, for having good foresight. <laughs> we also can't forget to mention, because he's on the greatest television show of all time, MASH, Jamie fucking Farr. Jamie fucking Farr. 
and he's doing his exact bit that he does in mash but yeah bigger somehow it's not the least racist thing i've ever seen (laughs) oh he's a treat man all the time sheik abdul ben falafel (laughs) it's amazing casting's a 10 casting is a 10 i agree protagonist no idea Four, JJ two, three. He just, they want to go for a drive, so they go for a drive. Yeah. Four. Does it for the hell of it. Does it for the hell of it. I love that. Antagonist. Time. Time. The it's police. certainly not the law. The police really don't give a damn for the most the, part. It's one guy who cares. All of the other drivers. He treats this country of ours, the United States of America, like it is a room full of sharks with freaking laser beams on their freaking heads. We couldn't get the laser beams. So it's just a bunch of sharks. We're going to put them outside with our one inept guard. Except here, it's a one inept country full of police who fall for everything. They absolutely do. It doesn't help that they're basically on this crusade being led by Arthur J. Foyt, who, who's just a guy. He's like an environmentalist. He's like, ah, oh, they're doing damage to our beautiful highways and the, and the environment with their racing. Who? Uh, Arthur J. Foyt. (laughs) (laughs) Two. Two. And he gets hurt a lot, and that's kind of funny, until you realize, like, oh, so that's going to be the bit. Okay. Okay. We're going to slap some more (laughs) sticks. Got it. All right, up next, screenplay. It exists, written by Brock Yates. Brock Yates, who was the managing editor of Car and Driver magazine and creator of the Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. And the winner of the first competitive run in 1971 with a time of 35 hours and 54 minutes. That's real fast. That's real fast to go from New York City to Los Angeles. I like the way that they do this, though, because you start at night. Mm -hmm. And that means you pretty much are driving the rest of the night until sunrise. You drive the whole entire next day. There really is only the night they leave and one night in between. That's it. That's it. I like the way they did that. It's pretty good. And I feel like strategically it makes sense leaving New York City in the middle of the night because there's less traffic. Much, much less traffic. Sure, because they got to go down to New Jersey and they cut across just 80 and straight across until they get to somewhere and then cut south at probably St. Louis, I'd imagine, right? I don't know. I pulled it up on Google Maps and I can't figure out what route they took in this because there is New Jersey and there is Ohio. And I'm like, well, you messed up somewhere then. I like how they go from... New Jersey to St. Louis in just a super duper time jump. It's for like a, two a, for like a race that only lasts yay long. They're like, no, 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 skip all that bullshit in the middle. <laughs> hey, why don't we spend forty minutes introducing all the different people? We'll have Roger Moore pull a, a gun on his mom. Uh, we'll have <laughs> we'll Burt Reynolds land a plane on a street in Georgia. And then like for the race, we'll just be like flashes of this was New Jersey. This was Ohio. This was Missouri. And then boom, we're in L.A. That's it. That's the movie. <laughs> we all get stuck on one road that's very far off the beaten path. But we're all here. It's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think for the screenplay itself, it is nothing special that these incredible, incredible actors are able to do something special with. A three. I really like when Burt Reynolds says, we can get a black Trans Am. Nah, that's been done. He looks at the camera a couple times in this. I really he's, like it. I like him looking into my soul. Winks. He gets to see my vinegar strokes. It's nice. Because uh, I'm watching a Burt Reynolds movie. Right. Just all that mustache. Well, I'm putting some pomade on that thing for him. <laughs> Gross. 
<laughs> a three for screenplay. I'm on board with that. Uh, not much there, but just so much fun. For the three or the pomade? For the three, I kind of want to take points away, but not from the movie, from you specifically. Let me ask you this question. You tell me if it makes it better or worse, and you determine from here. Do you think Burt Reynolds is Dapper Dan Man? I have no idea. <laughs> you got to give me a point or take away a point. It's on you. I, you get a point back, I guess. Boom! Your personal points are, are back at <laughs> zero? I don't know. A three feels a little a little aggressive on a movie that decided, hey, let's take Roger Moore and make him play a person who's pretending to be Roger Moore. It's wonderful. And for that, it gets a four, obviously. Yeah, that's that's what we said all along. <laughs> this is based on a real race that is still being run, uh, you know, illegally to this day. Not that it's ever been a legal race, but it was only there are only like four sanctioned runs in the 70s. And then everything since then has been people recreating the cannonball run. But that makes it it's the cannonball run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Terrible recreation. If you show up at a recreation of the Civil War with that type of mentality... You're going to kill some people. <laughs> Even the sanctioned races were illegal at the time. I mean, there's, there's never been a legal cannonball run. And it was just like recently happened again. Someone did it, right? Yeah. Somebody just set a new record like two years ago. During COVID times. That's why. Yeah. Because there were fewer cops and other drivers on the road. And they were like, well, this seems like it's going to be too easy. And it was. And it was. <laughs> The new record was set in a modified 2016 Audi S6, disguised to look like a Ford Taurus police interceptor. I'm a car playing a car playing another car. And they completed the full run in 25 hours and 39 minutes. That's ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Ten whole hours faster than the first Cannonball run. Yeah. Wow. And at the end of it, they were like, it felt like cheating. It was too easy. That's good. They still have their moral and ethical compass the only reason they ran it was because somebody else beat their record <laughs> they're like <laughs> well it feels like cheating that they did it during covid so let's do it during covid and get a record back gotta do what you gotta do sometimes exactly. you don't world pandemic in order to set a record anyway let's talk about style and tone it's the early 80s feels like late 70s you know that works it's a hal Needham movie they all look exactly the same yeah it's you know it's got cool cars it's got Way more stunts than it needs, but we're happy they're there. Six. Six. Love that. Speaking of Hal Needham, director. He makes a Hal Needham movie. He makes it worse than he makes a Hal Needham movie, but he still makes a Hal Needham movie. I mean, it's got an insane cast and so many more stunts than there were in Smoking the Bandit. And everybody gets to, you know, eat their cake. I'm thinking five again. I mean, the continuity's fucking terrible. It really is. <laughs> Four. Four. And I gave him a huge score for Smoking the Band, but that movie rules. That movie does rule. This is a lot of fun. I feel like I would have enjoyed it better if I could have seen it in, I don't know, a higher resolution than what you do Any resolution at all. (laughs) (laughs) Just pixels moving about on a screen with MIDI music playing in the background. And yet you can still tell that Farrah Fawcett is not wearing a bra the entire movie. Nope. Saved on wardrobe. It's only got an $80 million budget. Farrah Fawcett bra budget? (laughs) Oh, baby. We don't have money for that. Next up, music. I remember the one song. The the opening song? Yep. Apparently, a guy named Al Caps did the music, but that intro song, that that cannonball. 
That intro song is real, real good. The rest of the movie is just driving music. <laughs> it is just driving music. Three. Wow. Yeah, I feel like it's like a huge wasted opportunity to throw in some funsies, and he just forgot the funsies. The Cannonball Run theme, by the way, Chuck Mangione. Yep. Fucking adore that man. Yeah, we did a Chuck Mangione show in a marching band. It was awesome. Oh, that's insane. I'm jealous. Feels so good. You got to do Feels it. Feels so good. So good. <laughs> Sensing a theme in this episode. <laughs> what did we say? Three. Three with a Chuck bump? With a Chuck bump. Four. <laughs> it's a four because it feels so good. Next up, box office. This movie in 1981 was the fourth highest film opening of all time. That's insanity. Opening weekend, it made $11.7 million. Unfortunately, it came out the same weekend as Superman 2. Oops. <laughs> so it finished second in the box office that week. That's a huge number for that time, too. That weekend had to be like the biggest box office weekend of all time at that point. Super Bowl run. That's what they would have called it today. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it bumped Raiders of the Lost Ark in its second week down to third. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. I can't believe this is going to actually like matter in the industry. Kind oh, of. Yeah. Oh, oh, it is. We're, we're definitely going to get there. But yeah, Raiders came out in the next week. Superman 2 and Cannonball Run both set opening weekend records. Unbelievable. Also, I just looked the Rotten Tomatoes score. I think we should be scared. Oh, are we in danger? I think we are because there's a difference in the numbers, which is never a good thing. A nice range. One of them I feel like we're going to get awfully damn close to. Well, that means we're doing our jobs correctly. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. I don't want to land today. This movie cost $18 million to make, and most of it went to probably car stunts and jumping out of airplanes and all that fun stuff. But it ended up making $160 million worldwide. That's big money. Which is an 889% return. Real big money. Has to be a 10, almost 11, but we've never given an 11 out for anything over, uh, for anything less than 1,000%. So it's a 10. And that brings us to our final category, impact on the industry. It's big, man. There's been sequels. There's been There's reboots. been two sequels. There's been uh, a talk of a reboot. Warner Brothers currently holds the rights for the, the reboot, and they were talking. Um, I want to say there's a script written by the guys from Reno 911. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. But in 81, this is the fourth highest film opening of all time, sixth highest grossing film in 1981 domestically, third highest in Germany, second highest grossing foreign film in Japan. My God. Burt Reynolds became the highest paid actor in cinema history up to this point for this movie because he made $5 million in four weeks. Wow. It was also nominated for a Razzie for Farrah Fawcett. She's barely in this movie. She's not doing anything. Yeah. And somehow they were like, she's doing it bad. <laughs> yeah. Got her, I guess. Uh, this movie is the reason that Jackie Chan usually includes gag reels at the ends of his movies. Man, Jackie Chan is such a pleasure to watch in this thing. They finally got him to Kung Fu at the end, and then he split his pants. <laughs> what a great punchline. So good. And despite being in seven Bond movies, this is Roger Moore's only on-screen appearance driving a DB5. Amazing. And that's not even the biggest part. I don't know what it is, so I'm actually kind of curious. 
When the original stunt person left production for a family emergency, stunt coordinator Bobby Bass put his fiance Heidi Von Belts, in the passenger seat of the DB5 to operate a smoke machine while it was weaving through oncoming traffic. The car had several issues, including defective steering, bald tires, and no seat belts. During the stunt, the car collided head-on with a van, breaking <gasps> Von Belts's neck and leaving her quadriplegic. Oh my god! This isn't happy at all. No, not happy, but a big Whoa, impact. you got to be careful about that, man. I thought this was going to be like a, yeah, she flipped the car and landed it without the use of anything. <laughs> it was pretty fucking rad. From the passenger seat. And instead, you're saying just like, hey, Superman 2 is going to come out uh, the same week as this movie is. You want to know what they're going to have in common eventually? We got to beat that Christopher Reeve to the punch. <laughs> Imagine how Bobby Bass felt putting his fiance in the car and this happened. Yeah, not great. I have to imagine. The ensuing series of lawsuits led to her receiving $3.2 million and established the requirement of seatbelt use in all stunt cars and caused the Directors Guild to prohibit directors from altering stunts on location. That is enormous. Very big. I've been on those sets with those stunts and they're actually terrifying to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, when you see it in the movies, it's either going to go really, really well or really, really poorly by design. There's only two ways it could go. There's not like a middle of the road, like, oh, that wasn't great. But when you watch a car crash or something like that on the day while you're filming and you don't know what's going to happen, Ooh. it is very scary because those are human people. Like when you watch somebody hit by a car and that stuntman goes right down. Yeah. There's a, a big pause when you're waiting for him to give the thumbs up, and he's waiting for someone to call cut to give the thumbs up, so you don't know. Wow. And every single time that I've at least witnessed, they pop right up. Absolute pros. Well, that's why they're not allowed to alter stunts on location anymore, because of this movie. Eight. Eight. I'm, I'm for it. It's a big impact for this little weird movie. Yep. That's going to give the Cannonball Run a total score of... 57. Yeah, we got really close. <laughs> oh, no. Critically, this movie is 29% yeah, on Rotten out. Tomatoes. That doesn't surprise me at all. Audiencely, 61%. Ooh. We started flirting with it a little bit there. We got close. Would have been closer if we gave it a 10 for impact. Still a cannonball run. Doesn't need a 10 for impact. Let's all calm it down a little bit, all right? <laughs> it didn't invent the smash cut or anything like that. It was just poor editing. Certainly didn't invent the montage. Brian, fantastic pick. Cops, turn it off again. Uh, I think we're alone now. Guys, we told you how to go find this thing. It's not streaming anywhere. You're going to have to get creative about it. Go on YouTube. Here's your yeah, five again. sticks, folks. Sorry Torrance, about that one. LimeWire. 2000s references. Foyt. That's right, cops. It was just silence that whole time, and Brian uh, sticking the landing on a punchline in a weird bit throughout this movie. <laughs> Brian, fantastic choice. High five to you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. I apologize that it's not as easily accessible as some of our other... But with that said, it's time for you to beer us a movie. Brian, you did not pick the showbreaker the last time I gave you a chance to do it. That's right. For anybody who is curious what I mean by a showbreaker, it's a movie that has a real good chance at 100 and possibly more. It's a movie that's so iconic and huge that it could break the show. I'm nervous. 
Back around Thanksgiving, we talked about a movie. We did a commentary on it because we were super duper busy. So we just kind of talked with the movie. You guys hopefully watched it or have seen the movie a thousand times. And it was a little movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. There's a certain vehicle that was missing from that movie, and it is a boat. <laughs> and you want to know where you can find boats, Brian? Where can you find boats? Near, far, <laughs> wherever they are. We're talking 1997's Titanic. Holy shit. That is, um, that has high potential to be a showbreaker. You are not wrong. I don't mean to toot my own horn, even though I've literally been tooting it this entire episode. You've been doing a lot of tooting. <laughs> this one's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. I'm already <laughs> anticipating. Oh, remember what you said about being a generous lover and run times? Well, that's out the window. <laughs> I can't wait for you to drum me like one of your French girls. Yep. Next week, it's Titanic. <laughs> Wow. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener, this month's listener pick, because it's still it's still available next week. So that's right. Get that pick in there. And of course, our patrons always get double the pick. So join us on Patreon. This month, we'll be talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's going to be a caped episode. We're doing a caped episode, which actually brings me to an email we got this week. Well, because we got one comment on this uh, uh, on the Facebook, so I hope they pair well. <laughs> Let's see, Jeff Miners. Yep, said it'll just pair an email. well. It'll pair identically, <laughs> maybe. He said, "Greetings and salutations, touching rhubarb's brewery." <laughs> wow, a lot happening there. <laughs> I just finished listening to the entire Cape Podcasters backlog, starting with episode one, "Sexy Michael Keaton," to episode one ninety two, "The Peter Threesome." You masochist. <laughs> and I can only say one thing about your medium talent show, and it is this. <laughs> medium talent. <laughs> Dave, Brian, thank you. Sincerely yours, Jeff Miners. P.S. Stop touching rhubarbs. P.P.S. Oh, geez. Seriously, stop touching rhubarbs. P.P.P.S. Cowards, just because. <laughs> P-P-P-P-S, this will probably be my last email because the ginger skull will kill me for stealing his shtick. So when you see him, tell him this. Spawn is acceptably okay. Oh my god, you son of a bitch. And P-P-P-P-P-S, love you both, you guys are the greatest. Them's fighting words there, big guy, because Spawn is dookie. Spawn is still, to this day, one of the worst movies I've ever watched. Shout out to our friend of the show, John Logazama, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Friend of the show, John Lugazamo. Apologies for not doing it earlier with the Luigi Mario thing. On me. <laughs> hey, you got two references this, this episode, buddy, so stick around. You did. You got two pairs of wings. You can email us your picks for listener pick, your questions, your comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com, or follow us on our social media at beermemovie on all the things that matter, because we're not on X anymore. <laughs> that's right. That was our New Year's resolution. Goodbye, Elon. We're doing great then, if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram and Facebook, at Beer Me a Movie, especially Facebook, where we put up a post asking for your questions and comments. Jeff Miner, same guy you just heard, the email question now here. Doing the double dip. The, doing the double dip. He wants to know what kind of car would you want to do the cannonball running? And who do you want to be your passenger? Let's just assume it's me and you. Yeah, I feel like that that makes sense. Well, what are we driving? What are we driving? First thing that popped in my head was hearse. You know, after. <laughs> Some of the weird stuff you've said. Yeah, a hearse would be fun. Just like an RV. 
you have so much extra space for, for fuel reserves. So we don't have to stop for gas. That saves time. At that point, we're just pulling a lot of liquid. We're like a, a nuclear pinto if someone taps us. Yeah, but what a way to go. That's a good point. Doing the cannonball run. <laughs> Everybody, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along on this cross-country journey that had three stops. <laughs> Brian, have you got anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see everybody next week for Titanic. We'll see you then.